Welcome to the Crowd Church Podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Crowd Church. My name is Matt. Beside me is the talented Dan Orange, and we are going to be your hosts for this afternoon. Welcome, everybody. Great that you're here. Great that you're in the live stream. Be sure to say hi in the comments. Matt Crew is obviously in the comments saying hi already. I say obviously. Yeah. (laughs) If you're new to Crowd Church, you may not know Matt Crew is always in the comments, which is beautiful. So don't leave him alone. Come join him, say hi. So it's great that you're here. Dan, how are you doing? Happy Father's Day. Thank you very much. Yeah, doing good. Doing good. Uh, Have you had a good Father's Day? I have chilled. Yes, chilled, and I've also fitted some lights in my kids' bedroom. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a sort of a, an active busman's holiday. Busman's, yeah, I was going to say, your yeah. definition of but I had chill. Toblerone. You had Toblerone. Yeah, so that makes everything. That makes good. everything all right. That the, the triangular shapes of Toblerone make everything okay. <laughs> It's like therapy. No, no, it's fair play. Uh, So I was saying, Stan, before we went live, uh, not that, uh, dear viewer, you can see this, but um, here in my little studio setup where we live stream from and I control the broadcast and all that sort of stuff, I have a new sound desk. And this new sound desk uh, allows me to do very (laughs) exciting things, uh, one of which is talk. Like this, which I think... Adds a new dimension to Crowd Church. What do you think? So we're basically going to have some fun with sound effects uh, the the whole afternoon. That's what we're going to do. We're going to play. Uh, We are going to play. Now, today is Father's Day, and uh, I saw, actually, on Instagram... Uh, Pete Gregg did a prayer for dads, which I thought was actually quite lovely. I don't know if you saw it, Dan. Uh, No, I didn't, actually. So yeah, Pete wrote, uh, I'm just pulling it up now. So he, uh, he if you don't follow Pete Gregg, uh, do follow him on Instagram. He's a, he's a cool bloke. Uh, he's, he talks about prayer for Father's Day. Uh, and this is what it looks like if you're on the gram. Uh, and he said, um, <clears throat> we pray today for dads, for new dads and granddads and stepdads and adoptive dads and solo dads. Uh, I'm I'm not sure which one of these I fall into, but he said, we pray for the boldy ones and the beardy ones, uh, the skinny ones and uh, the cuddly ones. (laughs) That was very good. Uh, For dads who tell terrible jokes and dads who dance to YMCA. Guilty. Uh, For dads who know how to fix things and dads who just pretend they know how to fix things. Uh, Lord, we pray for the fatherless. We pray for those uh, for whom this day is sadder than it is happy. Uh, For those who feel that they have failed. For those who are grieving children they never had. For those missing their dads or their children even more than usual. Father God, uh, at a time of so much pain, when so many dads are absent, uh, 
uh, distant or even abusive. We lean into your ever-present love and healing. You are faithful and kind, uh, especially to those of us orphaned, uh, which is all of us uh, in theory, uh, abandoned and hurt. For even if my father abandons me, as the psalmist writes, the Lord will hold me close. That's Psalm 27 verse 10. Father of mercy, heal our many hurts and restore the dignity, integrity and centrality of fatherhood in our families and in our communities and in our nations. As the Apostle Paul says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and I pray that I may know uh, your love. And finally, Lord, for all those poor souls everywhere who forget that this is Father's Day, we ask that you would bless them uh, in your abundant grace and uh, manifold mercy when the discovery of chocolate and half-decent cards in surprisingly well-stocked uh, <laughs> well convenience stores. Amen. Very good prayer. Thanks, Pete, for that. So that's the Father's Day prayer. Yeah, very good. I like that. Yeah, very good. And I appreciate that Father's Day for some of you is not a is not a great day. Mm. Uh, for some of us, uh, you know, uh, we're blessed, aren't we, Dan? We've got uh, some wonderful kids and um, who buy us things. And again, if you follow me on Instagram, you will see, you will see the cards from my kids. Oh yes, let me. Uh, I can't show you Josh's card because I'm sure there's watershed problems if I do. <laughs> did you see the card that Josh did for me? I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. Very he well basically done. photoshopped my face onto the statue of David, uh, which I thought was very kind of him. Zach sent me this card. I don't know if you can see that, Dan. Uh, let me put that over there. You see how it's got the balloon That's letters it. on it? Yeah. Yeah, Zach wrote inside the card, When I saw that, Dad, it made me think of how much you can bench. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was very good. So Zach making fun of my uh, weightlifting skills. And Zoe sent me a, a, a card, a Father's Day card. And inside that card, it said, Dad, behind every great parent is a great child. And that's me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, my, yeah. my kids made me some great cards. I should have um, I should have got them out to show you. But there, yes. My my daughter's got a very quirky sense of humour. So there's a little poem about beans and various <laughs> various <laughs> things going on. It was very good. Be well, I can't wait to read it. Beans. Well, why not? Uh, why not? So, yeah. However you are on this uh, day, Father's Day, uh, you know what? We have uh, in church circles, we like to call God Father. Uh, we always have Father God, regardless of what's going on down here, whether we had good dads, bad dads, whether we are a good dad or a bad dad. I don't know, bad Here's the thing. We'll get into this in Conversation Street, actually, uh, about the whole father's thing, because today is what does the Bible say about Jesus? And this ties in very nicely with what we were talking about. Um, and today's talk is by the incredible Pete Farrington. So he's back doing the talk. What does the Bible say about Jesus? We're going to get into the talk very, very shortly. Uh, Dan, just let the good folks know the format of the live stream in case they've never been before <laughs> let them know what to expect so we've got um whoa <laughs> uh, one half of my my headphones um, um we've got a, a song coming up um what a beautiful name and then we will listen to pete farrington and then we'll have conversation street and discuss it we will although you got that the wrong way around dan uh 
Apologies. Yeah, we're going to do the talk and then the song. Don't change the uh, order yes. now because it's, it's set up <laughs> on the system. It's not changing now. Uh, yeah, that that ear thing falling out your head has is, is, is yeah. thrown you a little bit, hasn't it? <laughs> it's not like this is your first time. <laughs> Yeah, find it while the talk's going on. So that's right. So we're going to have the talk. We're going to have some worship. We're going to do Conversation Street, which is where we respond to your comments and questions that you put either on Facebook or YouTube. So do write them in the comments. If anything comes up today you'd like to get in touch, you can reach us at www.crowd.church. Uh, or you can follow us on social media at Crowd Church, like Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You will find us on those things. It'd be great to hear from you. Great to get involved. So without further ado, let's hear from the fabulous Pete Farrington, who's going to answer the question, what does the Bible say about Jesus? Uh, and then uh, Dan and I will be back. So uh, don't go anywhere. Grab your notebooks. It's going to be good. See you in a moment. So what does the Bible have to say about Jesus? Well, this is a massive topic and there's much that could be said here, but I'd like to try and answer this question by walking us through uh, five verses in a book of the Bible called Colossians. Um, now this passage has been called a, a theological vaccine which protects against the disease of Christ diminishing error. I really just threw the word vaccine in there just to bump the video up the uh, up in the Facebook algorithm. But. No, no, joking. Um, in these five verses, the Apostle Paul paints for us a stunning portrait of Christ. Uh, now, I'm a, an artist and I know very well that there are good portraits and there are bad portraits. And for a portrait to be considered good, it's essential that it does justice to the object, that it actually resembles the person in the painting. Uh, now, it's always a huge relief to me um, whenever I show someone a portrait that I've painted um, that they can actually if they can actually recognize the person in the painting and sadly there are many portraits of Christ today that fall woefully short of him and that just don't look anything like him at all quite often our Jesus is just nice he's safe he's soppy and a bit sentimental and someone who just bends to our every whim like a, a genie in a bottle in our pride and self-centeredness, uh, there's always the temptation to create a vision of Jesus that's small enough that he won't offend our modern sensibilities and, and small enough that, uh, that we can go on with our worlds just still revolving around us. But Jesus is not a supporting actor in your life. So as we go through this, I want you to take that portrait you have of Jesus on the wall of your heart and mind, and I want you to hold it up against what we see in the Bible and see if there's any resemblance. 
do you need a bigger frame? That's my question. Uh, so here we go. This is Colossians 1 verses 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So straight away, verse 15, we see that, that Jesus is the image or the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, we would be wrong and very wrong here to think that Paul is speaking literally here. When he says firstborn of all creation, he does not mean that, that Jesus Christ is the best of creation. He is speaking here in terms of the rights and privileges that the firstborn son has. So inheriting ruling sovereignty uh, or, or that um, Jesus has been exalted to the highest order. Um, in Psalm 89, verse 27, the psalmist says this, um, and I, that's God, will make him, Jesus, the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Uh, in Daniel 7, verses 13 to 14, there's a, um, a prophecy of Jesus, uh, about Jesus, and it says, and to him, to Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Another reason that we know that Paul doesn't mean that Christ is the best of creation is because in verse 19 he says, for in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus is God. This is laid out even more explicitly, or even more explicitly in the next chapter. So Colossians 2 verse 9 says, For in him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus has existed eternally in perfect union with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And this is what we call the Trinity, um, that God is one God in three persons. And uh, these three persons, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, are all of the same essence, the same substance. Um, so in, we see this in Hebrews 1 verse 3. It says, he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And Jesus himself made this claim of pre-existence and deity when he said to the Jews uh, in, in John 8 verse 58 he said truly truly I say to you before Abraham was I am and when Jesus referred to himself as I am he was using um, a name that God had used for himself in the Old Testament when he revealed himself to Moses so the Jews knew exactly what Jesus was claiming and they considered it blasphemy and tried to kill him there and then because of it. 
Um, again, in, in John 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Um, so there's no getting away from this. The, the Bible uh, and Jesus didn't leave any room for us to uh, call him merely a great moral teacher. He made claims that would be out, totally outrageous for anyone else to make. Um, you'd have to be totally deluded or totally deceitful to make that claim if, if it's not true. Um, and I, I said that Jesus has existed eternally in perfect union with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And, and so Jesus didn't come to earth to apologize for the God of the Old Testament. He didn't come to, to like show that God has anger management issues or to, to kind of balance out the blood and gore of the Old Testament with some like warm, fuzzy vibes and sentimentality. In fact, when God was sending down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah, Jesus wasn't looking on disapprovingly. He wasn't saying, you know, we might need to work on our public image a bit. Um, we need to be seem to be a bit more progressive to keep up with the times. No, we play a very dangerous game when we pit the words and actions of Jesus against those of God, the Father and the Holy Spirit. And far too often we totally ignore the very, very challenging things that Jesus himself said and did. And we end up with a Jesus who looks just a lot like us, um, made in our own image. So we'll... We'll celebrate the Jesus who saved the adulterer, but we'll go very quiet when he tells her to sin no more. But the Trinity isn't a pick and mix, and Jesus isn't a pick and mix. But back to our text. So, verse 16. For by him all things were created. By Jesus all things were created. John 1 verse 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Uh, he Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 3 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, that's by Jesus whom he appointed the heir of all things. There again, we see that, that firstborn language, through whom also he created the world. Um, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So he not only made everything, but he sustains and upholds everything. So if you wake up tomorrow morning, it is only because he gives you breath. Even if you hate him and rebel against Jesus, in every single moment, you are dependent entirely on him for everything. Even his enemies cannot hate him without moment by moment having the breath and energy that only he supplies. There's nothing and no one who, who is not dependent on him for everything. And that means that, that you and I need Jesus more than anything else. Acts 17 verse 25 says, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So Jesus is the agent through which all things without exception were created. But he's not only the agent of creation, he is also the goal of all creation. Everything was made by him and for him. Romans 11 verse 36 says, for from him, 
from Jesus and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. My life was made for Jesus. Your life was made for Jesus. Firstly, this means that there is purpose in your being alive. You're not just hurtling aimlessly and meaninglessly through the chaos and pain of life. You were meant to drink deeply from the fountain of living waters. That's what God calls himself. And in doing so, you were made to declare his primacy, his sufficiency, and that he is all satisfying. So in this way, Jesus's glory is also your highest good. Um, this also means that you're not the goal of your own life. So let's, let's go back to our text in um, verse 17. He says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, that he might take first place in everything. Um, how desperately we need to be reminded of that reality. And, and Paul knows that. Paul knows that this is of highest importance. You can see that because he, he repeats the exact same point, beginning verse 17 and ending with verse 18. He says the same thing. Um, he is before all things. And then he ends verse, uh, verse 18 with, so that in everything he might be preeminent. So it's like he's saying, Jesus is before all things. And just in case you forgot, Jesus is before all things. He is supreme. He is, he is supreme over every other, every other joy, every other pleasure, every other comfort of life. He is supreme over every authority, over every ruler, over every government. He is supreme. And um, he's without equal. And um, Jesus made everything to exalt Jesus. His glory is his goal in everything he does. And now, in our pride and our self-obsession, uh, it, it's, um, it's easy to hear this and think, excuse me, what about, what about me? Um, but God is utmost in his own affections. And it's, it's God's God-centeredness that is the very foundation of all of our hope and joy. It is our only hope. It should be the truth that we treasure to, that we treasure and cling to the most, the godness of God. Because if God were to put anything other than his own glory as his goal, he would cease to be God, for there would be something else greater than him. So if God were to turn away from himself as the source of infinite joy, and life, he, he'd no longer be God. He would be denying the, the worth of his own glory. It'd be implying that there's something above him and he'd be committing adultery. But I can still hear the question, why is this, why is this such good news for us? Well, uh, in, in 1 Samuel 12, verse 22, it says, the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. So when God says that he will not leave us for his great name's sake, we can be dead sure, we can have total confidence that he will never leave us. 
God is utmost in his own affections and he will not share his glory with another. His glory is his goal in everything he does. And the wonderful, wonderful truth of the Bible is that we see that his glory and our ultimate joy are not at odds with each other. Our ultimate joy is actually found in his glory. Um, now, I said earlier that Jesus is the, the agent of all creation. Um, we see in verse 20, um, at the end of our passage, that he's also the agent of our salvation. Uh, so let me just read it again. Verse 20, and, uh, and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Vody, Vody Bouchman, um, an American preacher, says that um, just when we begin to get this picture, this portrait in our minds, just when the weight of his majesty almost becomes too much for us to bear, just when we begin to say, I can't even bear to look at him, maybe I should come into his presence backwards. It's right there at the, at the, the climax of this hymn to Jesus that, that Paul is writing. It's right there that we see that Jesus loves us and he loves us decisively and unwaveringly. We see that he saves us. Revelation 1 verse 5 says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. The, the apex, the highest point of Jesus' glory is his grace towards his people. It's wonderful. Um, and the, the reason why it's called grace is because it's totally undeserved. What we, what we actually deserve uh, in, our, in our sin and our, our pride, what we deserve is eternal punishment in our rebellion from God and in our hostility towards him. We deserve his wrath and his anger. Um, Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, but your iniquities, your sin have made a separation between you and God. Um, it, Paul goes on to talk about how we were um, alienated and hostile towards God. And that's what all sin is. It's, it's, it's rebellion against God. It's, it's hostility towards him. It's rejecting him and it's, and it's choosing, it's making another God for ourselves. And so because of the, the separation that our sin has caused, we needed a mediator. Uh, and Jesus became that mediator. Um, we, we read earlier that um, from um, John chapter 1, um, that in the beginning was the word. It goes on to say that then the word became flesh. Remember that um, it said, uh, Colossians 1 verse 15, that, um, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. God is invisible, but Jesus became visible. He, he became flesh. He took on human form so that he could uh, become a, a perfect mediator, that he could represent us to God and God to us. And so he, he lived a life of perfect obedience and became a perfect sacrifice for our sins, satisfying the wrath of God and taking all of that punishment that we deserved, he took it upon ourselves, upon himself. Um, 1 Peter 3 verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, that he might reconcile us to God. 
being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Um, we saw earlier that uh, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, um, that the spirit raised him to life. And because, because he lives, we live and we will be resurrected. Um, now, the, the question that, uh, that does come from this is, how, um, how does he reconcile all things to himself? Does this mean that all will be saved? Um, well, interestingly, Paul, Paul says that all things in heaven and on earth will be reconciled to himself, but he omits the phrase under the earth. And um, this leads us to what is probably the most unpopular truth in the Bible. There's a hot competition for that title, but um, that truth is that of eternal judgment. And um, Philippians 2 verses 9 to 12 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, that's, uh, he's exalted Jesus and bestowed on Jesus the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is coming back one day and he will judge the living and the dead. And um, it, it says in, in John 3 verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. John 14 verse 6 says, I, this is Jesus speaking, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So again, we're, we're left with no, uh, no room to think that we, can, um, that we can find our own way to God without Jesus in the picture, um, that, that, we can, uh, that we can continue in our own pride and rebellion and sin and uh, just hope for the best on that, on that day when Jesus returns. It will be a glorious day for those who are in Jesus. Uh, but it will be a terrible day for those who are not. Um, now, I know this is something that I, I sometimes think, and, I, and maybe you are thinking it too. Like, there's no, there's no way that there's no way that God could ever forgive me. Um, there's no way that the sacrifice that Jesus made could be enough to make up for for my sins, not the things that I've done. Um, but again, I want to remind you of what I said earlier, that, um, that Jesus's goal of exalting himself in everything that he does is something that we should treasure. Because it says in Isaiah 43, verse 25, I, that's Jesus, I am he who blots out your transgressions, who blots out your sins for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So you can have total assurance today that if you turn to Jesus and if you, if you put your trust in him and if you ask him for forgiveness, that he will forgive and he will not remember your sins. Wow. Thanks for that, Peter. That was, yeah, pretty good. I love hearing about Jesus. I'm a, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Um, if you've got any questions, please just put them in the comments and then we'll discuss them later. 
But first, coming up, we're going to listen along to a song. What a beautiful name.
So welcome back. Welcome to Conversation Streets with myself and Dan looking at this whole topic. What does the Bible say about Jesus and responding to some of what Pete said in his talk. Now, I had a, a, a note actually, Dan, I'll start off with this uh, and get it out of the way because uh, get it out of the way is the wrong phrase. But I had a note uh, from someone about Pete's talk. Uh, which just goes to show you, right, how intensely people listen to uh, the talk. And I'm just going to pull it up here now. And Estella wrote, oh, come on, where is it? Why is my computer being so slow? Here it is. So, uh, John, uh, he, Pete quotes from John Piper in his talk. I don't know if you noticed this, Dan. He quoted from John Piper in his talk. He said, if God should, uh, and John Piper said this, right? If God should turn away from himself as the source of infinite joy, he would cease to be God. He would deny the infinite worth of his own glory. He would imply that there is something more valuable outside of himself. He would be committing idolatry. Uh, and Pete apparently said in the talk he would be committing adultery. Adultery, yeah. And I'm like, that is what we call paying attention. Uh, and so, well spotted. Uh, both Estella and Jen spotted that. Just want to put that out there. Yeah. That's very impressive. Very impressive. Anyway, what did you think to Pete's talk? What do you think to this idea? What Who does the Bible say Jesus is? Because the whole topic about who Jesus is is the central thing to the whole Christian faith. Right. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing that you we've this series has been going on so long, and um, and this is the one that says, "What does the Bible say about Jesus?" Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I, we have looked at Jesus in other topics, oh, okay. obviously, yeah. but this is yeah. just much more direct about who does Jesus, yeah. uh, who does the, does the Bible say about Jesus? Uh, question for you, Dan. How many, uh, Sarah's in the comments, she says hi, Nicholas says hi, she's in the comments as well, so uh, hi, hi girls, uh, it's great to see you, uh, great to see you Sarah. Um, how many prophecies do you Ooh. think were fulfilled by Jesus? I don't know. I'm testing um, your Bible knowledge yeah, now. Was it yeah, A? Yeah. And you can write in the comments, ladies and gentlemen, don't Google it and then write the answer in the comments. Was it A? less than 100, B, between 100 and 300, or C, over 300. Get busy, write your question, write your answers in the comments. A, B, or C, how many prophecies were fulfilled by the life of Jesus? And a prophecy is basically somewhere in the Old Testament where one of the writers talked about the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, and like, this is what's going to happen, or this is what he's going to do. And then we see that in the Bible being fulfilled by Christ, right, by Jesus. How many? A, B, or C? Dan, give me your answer. Well, I've got to go with C. Yeah, well, I made it easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah crowd yes. C, over 300. Uh, John yeah. Farrington uh, has put that in the comments. He's on so, the yes. Yeah, he's on the ball. Well done, John. You would expect him to be, really. Yeah. Uh, Matt Cruz says C. Yes, everybody's saying C, which is right. That's totally correct. Over 300, which is quite astounding. Some uh, John Harding talked about this in one of his talks recently at Frontline. Um, he talked about the odds of uh, all those prophecies being fulfilled in one man. Um, 
somebody sat down and worked it out and it was a number that I can't it was a number I can't even compute mm-hmm. do you know what I mean was, there's so many zeros yeah. at the end of it it was ridiculous so the Bible has all these prophecies to say about Jesus the Bible records then that these prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus but the Bible makes all these outrageous claims um, about Jesus and in fact Jesus makes a whole bunch of claims about himself uh, which Dan I think we should get into because I think so yeah it's um, I suppose something Peter said, he said, you know, Christianity doesn't make out, I'm paraphrasing, um, it, does, it doesn't talk about Jesus as being a prophet. It's not someone that brought this message or um, someone that directs us to someone else. Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the, the, the central point that we get to talk, we get to hear from, we get our strength, our breath, direct from the source yeah. direct from from him and um yeah i love that i love the way pete brought out right from the, sort of the beginning to the end he, he stepped through the, the passage to show us who jesus is and then what he's done for us yeah um yeah and no, it's great. there was something something he brought out he said yeah, it doesn't matter if you hate god he's still giving you breath love that yeah that's that's an interesting point actually it's like um we were talking earlier weren't we about father's day and how father's day for some people is good and for some people father's day is not great but the truth of the matter is we all have a father uh do you mean you can't escape that fact whether we want to uh, acknowledge that or not it's a different matter entirely and so it's the same with we would believe with god we all have a creator we all have god who gave us breath and it's that kind of um, you know, whether you like him or whether you don't, it's a, it's a, it's a common fact. So here's the thing, right, um, Dan, have you come across this uh, movement? Um, it's maybe the wrong phrase, but if, uh, this idea of progressive Christianity, have you come across this as an idea? Um, I think so. I'm not sure where you're going. Well, the reason happens. I say this is progressive Christianity is quite a big trendy thing at the moment um and uh, a lot of people like the idea of uh, or like the sound of progressive christianity and the reason i'm bringing it up is because it's one of those things i think as christians we have to just be aware of that it's maybe not everything as it seems because a lot of the claims that jesus makes and a lot of what the bible says about jesus is actually denied by the progressive christianity movement and there are which in my head doesn't make sense because then surely you're not a christian uh because a christian surely is someone that acknowledges uh the deity of christ and the sovereignty of christ i mean I, yeah. I, in my head that's a given but apparently no there's a whole bunch of people that would say not um and so uh so yeah this whole idea this thing about you you saying that about jesus being god um, about who Jesus is and Pete brought it out who Jesus is and what he's done for us two key things in this talk which were great um, are things which are now being uh, denied as unnecessary uh, by what is called the progressive Christianity movement and I think it's it's important I don't want to spend the whole time talking about this but I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that there is some quite liberal thinking out there on this whole topic and why this is important is because of something Pete said um, right at the start. I don't know if you caught it. 
uh, Dan. He talked about how, Je I wrote it down in my book, I'm, so I'm looking at He said, Jesus wasn't a moral teacher. Uh, he wasn't just a really nice guy. He wasn't a good guy full of good ideas and good principles. Because if Jesus wasn't who he says he was, then he's a complete and utter lunatic. Do you know what I mean? And there's, you, you, yeah. that's the option. You, that's where you have to kind of go with this. He either was God, or if he wasn't, he was, I mean, he was out there. <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you know what I mean? With some of the think, claims yeah. and things that he would make. C.S. Lewis says something similar, doesn't he? If he's not God, then he was, you know, something like a, does he call him a fried egg or something? <laughs> what the, quote, the quote is, you know, it's got to be one or the other. There's, um, yeah, he's either God or prove him not yeah God. yeah it's a really interesting point isn't it and so so and, and the, just sorry to hammer the point ladies and gentlemen but this is um this is an important part of the christian faith and we have to wrestle with this idea and this understanding of the sovereignty of christ that jesus yeah. was fully man and fully god and that he did come to in effect what christian scholars call redeem mankind uh, in other words um man needed help from god because we had done stupid things and uh th so that's why that was the whole mission and purpose of christ and without those two things without those key understandings coupled with the fact that jesus rose from the dead christianity doesn't make a whole great deal of sense hence reason no. we have to we have to sort of hammer these points home yeah. now nicola wrote in the comments and i thought it was lovely she says i've been a christian for over 30 years right and although I've tried to walk away from him, uh, I've always felt that all-encompassing love from Christ. Which I thought was quite a lovely thing and quite a vulnerable, honest thing to write. That actually, um, here's Nicola, been a Christian for 30 years. Her relationship or her walk with Jesus has been stronger sometimes than at other times. But at every time, um, there's always been that sort of all-encompassing love now what do you think mr orange uh miss morris is talking about yeah i put um sort of in re response to that yeah whether we understand it or not we long for jesus i think once those of us have got to know him who've had an encounter with jesus who who know what it is to be to be freed and be transformed we can sort of understand that we we long for him we long for more of him but i think there's that that people don't know god there's that there's still that longing mm. the bible says that the rocks would cry out if we weren't crying out um within us is that desire for him um it's just it's who we were made for it's what yeah. we were created for mm. yeah no, i totally agree Totally agree. Dave's put in the comments here, progressive Christianity have a deep belief in loving one another. And they do, actually. There's a big emphasis in progressive Christianity uh, on social justice, on the environment, all good things. Uh, not going to deny that. Uh, and Jesus was a big fan of uh, those kind of things. Uh, but unfortunately, it doesn't take into account, into account the responsibility or consequences of sin. And this is coming back again to what Pete said right at the start, which I loved. This whole idea of he's an artist. And when you do a portrait, there has to be some resemblance. I thought that was really funny because you should see some of my portraits. <laughs> yeah, they're not good. Uh, so I don't have the skills of Pete or my daughter. Um, and there has to be some 
kind of resemblance. And when you look at progressive Christianity, I think the resemblance is all kinds of wrong. There are some features which kind of you go, okay, that makes sense, but the rest of it kind of kind of doesn't, and um, it's where it falls down. And so our picture of Jesus has to be complete. It has to be whole. I don't know what you thought uh, about that, Dan. I thought that was really good myself. I, th- I thought that was a very helpful analogy. Yeah, I think so. And I put down, I'm glad he, he brought this verse out, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I think that sums it sums it up. There is there's no getting around this. You know, progressive Christianity can't sort of leapfrog over it unless you mm-hmm. take that the bit out of the Bible. It, we've got to go through him. Yeah. So what do you think him. that means though for Jesus to be the way, the truth and the life? So let's start at the back. Let's start with the life. Jesus is the life. I think with you could sort of flip it on its head and say if if he's life then without him there's death. Mm-hmm. We we're not we're not living unless we know him. Mm. We're not truly living unless we know this life. Yeah, because he's the author that. of life, isn't he? Yeah. Um, mm. And he's the giver of life. I mean, people again brought that in his talk very well. I mm. thought, uh, and so Jesus therefore is the source of life. Yeah. Um, John John ten ten says that um, he gives life in all its fullness. Mm-hmm. So we're we live and we've got breath without God, but there's more to that. There's that fullness yeah. that He can that He gives. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the life. So Jesus is the way, the truth. Well, the truth. This is a really interesting one now because uh, I loved what Pete talked about. Uh, this is probably one of the most unpopular truths of the Bible, and there are many things which contend for that title. And I think this would be one of them. Uh, this idea that Jesus is the absolute truth. Any thoughts on that one, Mr. Orange? Because I'm just throwing you right in the deep end right now. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> I, can imagine, I can imagine a thing that I would think or others would think, well, how can you say you're the truth if you're if you're the one bringing it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's like the judge, a judge saying, well, this is, um, you're guilty because... I say you're guilty because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm the truth. But the, the difference is that he sees all and is in all, mm. which means he, he he is the truth. You know, in an argument, people say there's there's the the person on the left truth, the person on the right truth, and then the mm-hmm. the actual truth. We all have a different view, but God sees it um, from from the outside and the inside. So. He is that truth. He is the one source of it. Mm. And that's, again, fascinating because we come back to the point that actually Jesus made this comment. And if he is not the truth, he is therefore lying. And he is. you don't want to follow a liar. You don't want to give your life to follow a, a liar. That would just, it just doesn't make sense. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so... Um, it would make him uh, someone who is deceiving people, for example. So this whole idea of absolute truth um, astounds me. And, and, and it's just one of the conversations we get into on a regular basis with people. If you're, not, if you're new to church, you're honestly, you're more than welcome here. Keep coming back because we just have these conversations all the time. Um, uh, we'd love you to subscribe and, and so on and so forth. And one of the questions that comes up a lot is this whole idea of truth uh, and uh, you know, you you live your truth, you be your truth, uh, and the idea that there is no absolute truth, I find quite fascinating because as soon as you say 
there is no truth. It's a, it's a, it, it's a statement you can't make because it self-contradicts itself. Because as soon as you say there is no truth, well, then that statement you've just said is not true. And so it, it, it's a really hard one to get your head around. Do you know what I mean? This whole idea. And so, um, so I love this idea of Christ being the truth, the ultimate truth, mm-hmm. actually, that he is God, that actually he knows all, sees all, and is in all from beginning, like you said, until the end of time. He is the author of truth. Bang, there it is. Let's move on. And this is what we believe as Christians, right? So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the way, let's deal with the first one. <laughs> um, yeah, how to sum that up. I suppose the way, the path that he's, it's through him because he died, we can live mm. is what, how I'd, how I'd sum it up. If, if he hadn't died, we'd be, we'd be outside of that way to God. There is no way for forgiveness of sins without the sacrifice that he made. Yeah. He made that way. He made that, that route through. He ripped mm. the curtains of the temple to say, this is it between mm. us now and God. You can get there. You can make that trip on the way. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Dave put here in the comments, people have always sought the way, truth and life. And Jesus says, I am, which I think is brilliant. And it's true. And I think when you, when you, it's true from my point of view, let me just put it that way. It's my truth. I'm living my truth. Um, But if you, if you think about it, it's that kind of, um, if we follow the way of Jesus, if we believe that he is the way and we, we journey with him, we go down that path, we understand his truth. And when we understand his truth and we we acknowledge his truth and we live according to that truth, we find life. And so Jesus is the way, he is the truth and he is the life. When we journey with him, when we understand that truth, we find that life. And I think that's super, super powerful. Um, and so I'm aware of time, Dan. <laughs> it's gone again. Oh, no. It just disappears. Where does the time go? Uh, I think when you start talking about these things of Jesus, so it, it's going to yeah. go very quickly because it's such a cool topic, uh, which I just love. And I loved what you said, actually, Dan. I've got to say kudos to you, man, when you're doing the bridge between the talk and the worship, <laughs> when you said, I like Pete's talk. I like Jesus. I'm a bit of a fan or I'm a big fan or whatever it was you said. Uh, I thought that was a very, very apt thing to say. Well done. Uh, I'm a bit of a, we're a bit of a fan. Yeah. Uh, Christian, that just means we're a bit of a fan. <laughs> a Christ fan. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, Matt Crew said, uh, would Jesus or does Jesus support Man United or does he support Liverpool Football Club? I'm going to say this to you, Matt, because you wrote it in the comments. I figured I answered the question because everyone wants to know. Um, I don't think Jesus would be a supporter of something that calls themselves after the devil. I'm just I'm just putting that out there. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, just to sustain that on the road. Uh, but anyway, I there, and there's that thing. I, I don't know if Jesus was a football fan or not, but I do know the apostles were cricket fans. And do you know how I know this? Because the Bible says Peter stood before the eleven and was bold. <laughs> Oh, it's a good dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> 
and my apologies to everybody outside of uh, the uh, well, the country. It's the empire, basically, isn't it? The old empire that plays cricket. Uh, you won't understand that joke at all. Uh, and uh, my apologies for that. Um, but yes, Peter stood before the eleven and was bowled. I, I, it tickles me. So. What's happening next week, Dan? I've just realised I've not told you. <laughs> well, um, it's all right because Matt Crew has um, preempted it and told us all. Yeah. Oh, is he? What does the yeah? What does the Bible say about adoption? And it's two different hosts next week. It is now fostering yeah. and adoption. That's right. I'm looking at the schedule here. So next week, what does the Bible say about fostering and adoption? Uh, Nicholas has put in the comments. No, no, no. That's a bad joke. I'm assuming you're talking about Peter standing before the eleven and was bold. Again, I just want to point out. I do dad jokes. That's what I do. We have a plaque in our kitchen. I wish I could show you which says "Dad jokes are told here." <laughs> Oh, that's great. Anyway, next week, what does the Bible say about fostering and adoption? Adam Drury is doing the talk uh, next week. That's been pre-recorded. We have that already. Adam is an absolute legend. I've known Adam for many years, uh, and he adopted um, a number of years ago two uh, amazing kids who I know, and they're amazing, just great family. Anyway, Adam's a top bloke. Uh, and he has done the talk, so he will be doing that. And hosting next week, uh, we <laughs> hold on to your hats because I have yeah. no idea what's going to happen. Uh, we have Phil Watson, uh, of course. Uh, if you know Phil, if you've heard Phil on the live stream before, you know he's a big fan of fostering and adopting. Um, but with Phil is the wonderful Claire Glare, who is going to be on here for the first time hosting, who has also uh, got some inspiration and insight onto this as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Phil and Claire next week, you're not going to want to miss it, honestly. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, and come and listen into what does the Bible say about fostering and adopting. I just think it's a great conversation to have. Then the week after that, because, you know, we're in Father's Day mode, we have got what does the Bible say about parenting? Um, that's coming up, uh, which is great. We've got what does the Bible say about being a Christian? And the fantastic Abby Sharples is coming back. Oh, yes. For those of you who have been following Crowd Church for a wee while, uh, in the very early days, Abby did a number of talks which were just amazing. Um, and so Abby is coming back to do that talk. We've got what does the Bible say about baptism? We've got what does the Bible say about Sabbath and rest? We've also got. Drum roll, Dan. Your beautiful oh, wife. What does the Bible yes. say about mental health? So that's also going to be coming yeah, up very soon. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be. What was it? The kids say. I'm trying to be down with the kids. That's sick. Sick. <laughs> it's going to be sick. I've just made an absolute fool of myself, but that's okay. It's Father's Day. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, what's this? Nicholas put in the comments. Are you telling dad, dad jokes? How do you know Moses wore a wig? Because sometimes we seen with Aaron and sometimes we're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, <laughs> just put your dad jokes, your best dad jokes in the comments. I would love to read them. Uh, so, yes, <laughs> I love that one. Uh, especially if, they, if they've got some resemblance to the Bible, some connection to the Bible. We love the Christian uh, dad jokes too. So, yeah, that's coming up. We've got some great stuff coming up in the rest of June and July. So make sure you subscribe to Crowd Church. Uh, hit the plus button, the subscribe button, the like button, whatever you need to do. Or head over to the website. You can fill out the form. We will email you whenever we do go 
live. We just send out one email a week, just let you know what's coming up. You can do that at www.crowd.church or follow us on social media at Crowd Church on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Do connect. We always love to connect with more of you fabulous folks around the world. So come and say hi. Did you know, Dan, right, uh, that last month I was looking at the stats on our videos? Um, we, the biggest population, the biggest country is probably the right, demographics, demographics is the right word, uh, that viewed our stuff was not the UK, was not the US, they were in the top four, but Taiwan and Nepal were also in the top four. So wow. I was really, yeah, I was, I was really stoked. Yeah. So if you're, if you're watching this from Taiwan, yeah, Nepal or India or all the other nations around the world, it's great that you're with us. Uh, really enjoy uh, being able to do what we do. So it's a real privilege yeah. to sit here and talk about Jesus with a very good friend of mine uh, and people from around the world get to join in the conversation. So absolutely beautiful. Now, we are going to end today's live stream uh, with another song. Feel free to stick around in the comments, say hi, uh, join in the conversation. Uh, I will be in there. Dan will be in there. Uh, once the song has finished, the live stream will end automatically. And then, like I say, next week, you're going to have Phil and Claire talking about adoption. Uh, I will be busy behind the scenes making sure, obviously, all the technology is working, uh, which will be very exciting, I've no doubt. Uh, but, Dan, anything else from you, bud, in closing? Just as always, if you don't know Jesus, get to know him. I'm a fan. <laughs> I so want to get you a T-shirt. Yeah. Jesus, I'm a fan. <laughs> Keep it brilliant. Absolutely. Awesome. Dan, thanks for joining me, bud. You're an absolute legend as always. And if no one's Thank told you. you, dear viewer, you are also an absolute legend. Mm -hmm. And remember, it may be... I don't know how you feel on days like today, but God is always there for you. He is always Father God, and his heart and his love knows no end. Uh, so we are going to close there. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's live stream. God bless you from myself, from Dan. Bye for now. What is our hope? In life and death, Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence? That our souls to Him belong. Who holds our days within His hand? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep us to? End, the love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life. What truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good, God is good. Where is His grace and goodness known? In our great Redeemer's blood, who holds our faith? 
when fears arise Who stands above the stormy trial Who sends the waves that bring us nigh Unto the shore, the rock of Christ Oh, sing hallelujah Our hope springs eternal Christ, our hope in life and death. Unto the grave, what will we sing? Christ, He lives, Christ, He lives. And what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with Him. And we will rise to meet the Lord Then sin and death will be destroyed And we will feast in endless joy When Christ is ours forevermore Oh, sing hallelujah Our hope springs eternal Christ, our hope in life and death.